0: And welcome to the crazy world of Bundesliga 2 and German lower league football. It's once again time for another edition of Talking Foosball Extra, the Ausstieg Edition. My name is Nick Wilton and I'm once again joined by the best lower league panel in the world. Joining me from some city in the north of Germany, a city that isn't all that pretty if we're being honest, is Mike Krickemeyer. How are you doing today, Mike? Hi, Nick.
1: I'm fine. Yeah. um Looking forward to this episode and even looking more forward to the next couple of days because St. Pauli needs to get back in the road and uh, or in the lane and then win another game and not always draw (laughs) 2-2.
0: Yeah, 2-2 draws seems uh, to be a thing that has happened a lot to the team from the city where Jasmine Baber is currently placed. That is, of course, the most beautiful place on earth. It's Bremen. So, Jasmine, how are you doing today?
2: Very busy. Glad to have a win on the weekend, but transfer deadline day and Champions League today and obviously everything lower league German football. It's been a busy old week.
0: Right. And you know what? We'll be trying to jam an awful lot of content into one show this time around as well, because there have been a couple of developments on the transfer market uh, worth mentioning that happened after deadline day and yeah there are loads of great storylines that we had to include in the quickfire storyline sections and in the lower league part we'll talk about a guy who is almost famous but mostly because of his brother who's joined Osnabrück and there will of course be more ground topping advice coming from Mike this week as well so all of that is to come Here we go, it's part one of Talking Foosball Extra, the Auschwitz edition, and well, as I mentioned at the top of the show, there was some action on the transfer market even beyond deadline day. So, Jasmine, the team in question that we're talking about is Magdeburg, and they actually just today almost signed two players. So how on earth did they pull that one off?
2: I'm not sure how exactly they pulled it off. They're both uh, freebies, so they both were on the free market to pick up, and in Germany you can register those players up until the final day of the January transfer window, so you can still pick up free agents during this time. But yeah, both right backs, Italian Cristiano Pacini and former Balkan player Herbert Bockhorn, which is probably one of the best names in German football. That's not obviously funny. But both really confusing picks because Puccini is a very experienced player. He was only at Red Star Belgrade at the second half of last season and also in the Europa League with Valencia last Hinrunde, so the first half of the season. He's also been at Atalanta, spotting Lisbon, and the latter, Botcorn, got promoted and stayed up with Bochum in the last two seasons. So I'm guessing there was a bonus or money issue that Bochum decided not to keep him more longer than his contract. So I'm guessing Magdeburg signing two right backs didn't want El Hankuri, who's been starting there, who is also a new signing from Glenigan. They didn't want him playing right back much longer, and I think he's more of a right midfield right winger type anyway. So I think it's good that they've picked up both of these experienced players to fill out for both right midfield because they can both play there and right back. And definitely a good step for them who are, trying to stay in the fight of Bundesliga, especially Bockhorn, who has experience in this league and the Bundesliga. So, yeah, um, clubs can still sign freebies if they have the money. So, look out for any of that.
0: Mike, well, St. Pauli, your team has already played against Magdeburg, as we all know. You won 3-0. The only time you actually didn't concede two goals, as we all know. Do you think that uh, when you watched St. Pauli play against Magdeburg, did you think that this team had a potential to stay in up in the Bundesliga 2, as they were severely beaten by your side? Let me put it
1: the other way around. Before the season, I was quite optimistic that they do have a chance. And um, I was especially optimistic because of their home record and the really, really thrilling atmosphere in Magdeburg. Mm, yeah, but up to now... <laughs> Yeah, they failed to prove me correct. So at the moment, they proved me wrong. And um, yeah, probably these two signings might help them. I think they really, really do need some improvement because it was not that they just lost some games. Most of the time, they really had no chance. And I, I really like Christian Titz, so I would like him to be successful. But yeah, it might be challenging for them.
0: Yeah, it might go all tits up for him. Anyways, talking about new coaches, let's take a closer look at Nuremberg because their club is actually an interesting case study so far this season. Because at the start of the season, a lot of people had Nuremberg picked as an you know a team that might actually challenge for a promotion spot, but after you know a few matches into the season, they're just on seven points lost again on the weekend this time around uh, they lost against let's see they lost against
2: braunschweig
0: braunschweig that's it thank you <laughs> 4-2 that was so not a particularly nice way to start the weekend on a friday night so jasmine nuremberg have now announced that they've brought in a new assistant coach by the name of ersan palatan can you explain why that move happened and what it means for the club and the team
2: Yeah so big news that happened this week or last week even that assistant coached by Schweinsteiger, I'm sure we all know his brother Basti, came with Dieter Hecking from Hamburg to uh, Nuremberg, and he has left to become the head coach at Osnabrück which I'm sure we'll get into in part two and they've hired Ersan Uh, Parlatan to come in from TSV Steinbach in the Rigena Liga Sud, where he was head coach to be a replacement for Schreinsteiger. Parlatan is an interesting figure he's been an assistant coach at a number of german lower league clubs as well as two turkish super league clubs i can't remember which two um, none of the biggest two not galatasaray Fenerbahce. and he's also been a head coach at victoria berlin while they were in the regional league and did pretty well and maybe a fresh face is what this Nürnberg team needs right now because it's all lost its sparkle. I'm not quite sure why people would have them as their favourite knowing especially what Nürnberg did last year and how they played. They weren't exactly thrilling. I'd argue they weren't really like thrilling anyway not great to watch but it sounds like he's not Klaus's coach but more the club's assistant coach. I think some of the wording that's come out, apparently that Klaus knows this coach, but it's more that he impressed the Nuremberg board and Dieter Hecking and has been brought on. And yeah, hopefully this gives Nürnberg some fresh ideas, because as you said, losing to Braunschweig, someone that everyone's pretty much beaten so far and our picks to probably be bottom of the league, is not a good look. And as I said, they weren't exactly great entertainment last season. Robert Klaus has come from a Red Bull background during the kind of Ralph Ragnick years at Red Bull where, you know, they were setting their global development structure and their gameplay, and it was all about high-intensity and pressing and fast transitions and counterattacks. And because Klaus has only worked Prior to Nernberg at Red Bull through all the youth stages, his tactics have been greatly affected by that. He plays the football in the exact same way as that has been installed at Red Bull, the 442 approach, usually in a diamond. It's all, as I said, direct fast attacks from transitions. And I think that idea hasn't changed or improved. They had more possession against Braunschweig and yet conceded four in that game to lose 4-2 they've conceded 13 goals in seven games they're not making enough goals to cover their defense which is a trait of fellow Red Bull coaches I mean we've seen Frank Kramer both at now Schalke but also his Bielefeld team And to top it off, we've talked about this before, their squad is weirdly built. They still have around six, seven strikers. They've got injuries to Nurnberger, Duman, which is around two of their four centre midfielders and not attacking midfielders that they need in that diamond that they have. And they've lost Hanwerker too. So I think things will improve once those players come back but it's very difficult to play this way and maintain results all the time without any movement, especially up to promotion or a promotion playoff.
0: Well, uh, Mike, how do you think Nürnberg can turn things around then?
1: Yeah, difficult.
0: (laughs) Um. I mean, it's it's a question, as Jasmine says, the squad is weirdly built. I mean, if you look down at the squad, yeah, I think it's a rather thin midfield. And weirdly enough, Mats Daly, Daly, for instance, who I think is one of their best players in midfield, has actually sat on the bench for some matches, which I didn't really understand, but enough about that. Uh, but you know, is it a question of Dita Hacking having to do a little bit of work during the next transfer window as well to fix this squad a little bit more up? Well,
1: I think Nuremberg was one of the favourites before the season. And when you take a look at what they signed, especially in the attack... Daferna and Dua and so on. So you really expected Nuremberg to be at the top of the table, at uh, or at least in one of the first five or six places. And especially this weekend, I was sh- so sure that they will manage to win in Braunschweig. But they didn't. And um, I, I'm a big fan of Robert Klaus. So I, I trust that he will somehow turn things around. But you know, the, the dynamic in second league, if you lose some games in the beginning and you struggle, yeah, it might end up pretty ugly for them. But I don't think so. There, there is so much quality in this team that... They should manage to get better. And they had a good start. They, they won the derby against Furt. So everything was in place for them. But yeah, somehow they did not succeed until now. Maybe next weekend, this is uh, a crucial clash against Bielefeld. So I'm quite curious how this will end.
0: Well, yes, I mean, going forward on um, face-off against Bielefeld on Friday, and then it's away against Darmstadt, Wait. and then it's away against Karlsruhe. <laughs> so I think these three matches might very well decide the future of Robert Klaus at Nürnberg. Having said that, I do think it's a great squad, mostly. I, I think it's a bit thin in midfield, but, and again, there are a few weird things from time to time when it comes to the team selection. I mean, Mats Miller daily sitting on the bench, I didn't get... Dürer sat on the bench as well. do
2: sat I on the mean, bench once and came on. Yeah, but
1: muller always have some injury issues. So uh, I'm sure at least one game he was injured right before the start of the game. So he was announced in the squad and then he sat on the bench because of that injury and warm-up phase. And they, they really do have some bad luck with injuries at the moment. I think Nürnberger and Templemann are out. So, the as you mentioned, the thin midfield gets even thinner. And, of course, this is an issue.
0: It is. But we'll see how they'll stack up against Bielefeld next Friday. Talking about a team that somehow has managed to just sneak into third place after, you know, not losing for four matches. Heidenheim. Now, Mike... How have Heidenheim gotten into that place? And more importantly, do you think that they finally can make that promotion push that they, you know, they were very close a couple of years ago?
1: Yeah, in that relegation game against Werder, for example. Yes. Um, well, <laughs> in the end, they are still old Heidenheim. Um, they still have Frank Schmidt on the bench and they still have Tim Kleindienst in the attack. The only thing I miss is Mark Schnatterer. So he plays now in third league. But yes, I believe they will compete for one of the top spots until the very end of the season. But as you know, Sandhausen will never be relegated. And I assume Heidenheim will, unfortunately, never go up. I am very happy if they prove me wrong and I just jinxed it, but I don't think so. On the other hand, if you take a look at the matches that they played up to now, the only defeat was in Hamburg, a 1-0 defeat against HSV. And they managed to win in Nuremberg. They just managed to win against Dusseldorf on Friday and they... Yeah, they they reached a 2-2 in Darmstadt. So there were some pretty good results. And let's wait and see how this develops. I will see them in the beginning of October. They come to St. Pauli. At the moment, I would guess they end up in third. And then it might be another season in League 2 for them. But we will see.
0: Well, who knows what Herta up to at the end of this season. Jasmine, your thoughts about uh, Heidenheim?
2: I always like Heidenheim. They're always my dark horse they were last season as well and they just slipped away last season i think after that loss to darmstadt where they were 2-0 up and lost 2-3 in the last moments and that's been a recurring theme recently so yeah they're always quite strong they have consistency with coach consistency with how they play and i think that's really really helpful for any team in this league but You know, we always say the ones nearest to the top now never matters by the end of the season. We'll probably have Dusseldorf in eighth come back to be first. We don't know what Hamburg are going to do. Hanover, I'm sure we're going to talk about, are starting to creep up. There's so many that, yeah, you can see any of them just sneak in, and Heidenheim's always there for me. So, yeah, like, I hope... Mike is not correct, as in they'll never go up, but yeah, they seem to n- never do. So, but yeah, I hope I drinks it too. I hope they do as well.
0: <laughs> you mentioned Hanover there, and I think uh, that is my cue to bring an end to this segment and start, you know, with the segment that always ends part one of Talking Football Extra Aufstieg. And that is the quick fire storyline. So, uh, what have you guys lined up for me today? Mike, tell me.
1: Yeah, the question is: uh, Hannover is on a winning streak with four games. Do you think they will continue?
0: Actually, I, you know, I think that the quality in that squad, especially in attack, is going to see them win a lot of matches. You know, I mean, they, they haven't really been challenged in defense over the last couple of matches. Uh, I think they had a rather tough start to the season. Uh, facing off against great sides like Paderborn and such. And now they've had a little bit of an easier run, which has propelled them into fifth place. Having said that, uh, going forward, they actually do have a bit of a tougher schedule coming up because first up, there's the derby against Braunschweig, uh, which, you know, it's a derby match. It can go either way. And then it's Sandhausen, Hamburg and Heidenheim. So I think the next four matches are going to show where Hanover will be heading this season. Because if they come out of them, maybe winning two, drawing one, losing one, I think there might very well be that contender for promotion that I thought they might be. But if they lose more than they win, I think they have to... Well, best they can hope for, basically, that is a mid-table finish then. Anyways, Mike, tell me, what's up with Pauli? Yeah, well, if I only knew... Um we conceded two goals
1: in six of the seven matches. And to make it even worse, we conceded three goals in our cup match against regionaliga Club SV Strahlen. So our defense is terrified, I assume. But on the other hand, we scored even more. So if you are looking for entertainment, Just come to us on and offside the pitch. It's always uh, something happening. We should win against Sandhausen next Sunday. Otherwise, it might get a very ugly season or at least some
0: very ugly upcoming weeks. Well, talking about having an ugly season, Jasmine, Regensburg, winless in five. What's up with that?
2: For those who watched them last season, their good form from first to oblivion took a turn around the mid-season break. This time, it looks like it started after three fighter Bundesliga matches they definitely don't have the quality they did to outscore their opponents like they had last season and their tactical trick runs out really quickly so hoofing the ball high winning second balls i mean at the start of the season i thought they had turned a new leaf and tried playing a little bit on the floor but that's quickly gone too so your regensburg to get relegated to shout might still come true next.
0: Hooray! What a great way to end this segment. We'll be right back with all the Low League stuff that you need to know about, so stay with us. Hi there, welcome back to part two of Talking Football Extra, the Ausstieg edition. Now, Jasmine, you already mentioned in part one of the show that Tobias Schweinsteiger, who is known as the brother of Bastian Schweinsteiger, who then is known as the husband of Anna Ivanovic, I suppose, he got a job coaching Osnabrück in the Dritte Liga. So, tell me, what's happened there, what's the thinking there, and uh, what kind of background does Tobias Schweinsteiger have, other than being, you know, the brother-in-law of a very famous tennis player?
2: Yeah, apparently he's a good coach. Yeah, who knew? So Hecking, he was brought over to Nuremberg with Dieter Hecking from Hamburg at the time, was assistant coach of Dieter Hecking. But before that, he was also current Hamburg's head coach, Tim Walters' assistant coach, when he started coaching at Bayern under 17s and Bayern 2. So Osnabrück right now have a very possessional-based coach in terms of philosophy i believe he likes to play a 4-3-3 like tim valter as well sometimes even hacking used to use 4-3-3 not as much but still did and from what the weekend yielded a 4-3 lost to oldenburg so not a win and they're slipping down the table quite quickly but it's the first time they've scored more than two goals this season and goal scoring was their main weakness coming since Schweinsteiger came in so I'm not saying this will go well especially for Schweinsteiger's first head coach appointment but I'm saying there might be some loved chaotic goodness in this so if you want entertainment definitely probably watch Osnabrück this season
0: (laughs) well what you forgot to mention there is is the fact that Osnabrück actually was leading 3-1 at one point in this match and lost it 4-3 to the newly promoted Oldenburg side, um, which is another northern German rival of theirs, which uh, must have stung quite a bit to be honest. But yeah, uh, Tobias Schweinsteiger, um, I mean, I I do call him the brother-in-law of Anna Ivanovich, but obviously Tobias Schweinsteiger has had a decent career in the lower divisions as a footballer himself. I think he's played for Unterhaching Bayern 2 and a bunch of other teams. And, you know, not reached the same heights as Basti, for sure. But, um, decent, decent player at lower league level. So, exciting times having him in charge. Hope he does better than his brother does as a TV pundit. Moving on, Rot-Weiss-Essen. Now, that is a team that always captures the minds and imagination of ours. Now, Mike, there was a bit of drama there this weekend. It involved some fan issues as well. So what has happened this time around?
1: Well, first of all, they finally got their first win this season. So congratulations to that. Uh, after getting back to League 3 after, I don't know, 12, 15, whatever years. And the Hafenstraße really had a great atmosphere on Saturday. They won, uh, was it Friday? Sorry. Um, They they won against Erzgebirge Aue 2-1. And we need to discuss Erzgebirge Aue in one of the next episodes because they are last in the table at the moment. Yeah, but nevertheless, after the game, the team did the usual lap of honor, but without celebrating with the supporter section and the ultras. So they just went once around the whole stadium and then they went off the pitch. So the crowd started to get angry at them, or at least the ultra section did. And uh, they just left the pitch in no explanation. So on Monday, the club published a statement that this was because of an incident that happened last weekend when Essen lost at Bayreuth. Because in a parking lot on their way home, the team witnessed an attack of a group of Essen fans against other Essen fans. The reasons for this are unknown, but this really caused a shock. So this happened on the same parking space at the team bus was Uh, Parking at that moment. And um, they just announced that they don't want to celebrate with people who attack each other. So I assume this might keep us busy until next episode and we will give you an
0: update. Great. Now let's take a closer look at what happened to them on the weekend. Uh, Jasmine, there there was a big match of theirs uh, going on this weekend and some fan issues there as well.
2: I think it was the weekend before. But yeah, but it's still a big match and you should never...
0: It was the weekend before, sorry, it. It. yes, you're right.
2: It's okay. Um, but it's a big match and as we were on, we were talking about Northern derbies. Well, here's the pinnacle of East German lower league derbies right now. Where both sets of fans are, well, something. But this time when these two sets of fans met, a masked assailant with uh, <laughs> armed with a spray paint can from the away end managed to sneak his way towards the buffer area between the home and the way fans climb up a fence and spray on our mural specifically the bit that said Nur de with and he sprayed it completely over it with gold just covering that so Nur de means only the basically our and um, he sprayed it all with gold and man, also managed to climb down the fence back into the guest block without being, well, he was noticed, but without being identified. So the owl fans got angry at that, but they couldn't catch the person who did it. So the Muriel has now been restored to its former look. But yeah, the Nisdom won that one late 1-0 in that game, winning that part of East German Derby, that Saxon Derby, and which really rattled the our fans, which, you know, I think Dresden was, is or was one of the favourites to go back up from the Dritte Liga, so them going, being beaten by their rivals, obviously not great, but they should worry about the teams that they should be able to beat, because as Mike said, they're bottom of the table and really in a lot of trouble right now
0: well i think i do have a lot of time for ultras who do have the skill set of jason Bourne.
2: he was even pitched. Um, so, how he slipped
0: away <laughs> i mean to have the balls to do that and then get away with it too what a guy he is my new hero Probably eats at the vegan shop of, of the uh, of the former Dresden Kappa. What's his name? Do you remember his name, Mike? Um, of course, of course. Just give me a second. Uh-huh. Lemmy, yes. Lemmy. Um, you know, used to be Kappa Dresden. Now he serves the good people of Dresden with vegan food. Who would have thought? Right. Uh, anyways, time for some ground-hopping advice, Mike. Where are you taking us today? I do have a quiz for you. So, of
1: course, you know which is the, well, from a capacity point of view, biggest stadium in Hamburg. It's the Volksparkstadion of the HSV. But could you name the second biggest stadium in Hamburg?
0: I mean, this must be a trick question then. Of course. (laughs) Because my immediate answer would have been the Milan Tour, which has 30,000 plus. Yeah. How many? Unfortunately, it's...
1: Twenty nine thousand five hundred
0: forty six. Well, oh, almost thirty. And with that,
1: it's only the third biggest stadium.
0: So I mean, you must think about teams that have had a great past. Then, yeah, in Hamburg, Victoria, Hoheluft, uh, Altona. That, that stadium we've had.
1: Yeah, Altona with Adolfiga Kampfbahn, but they, I don't know, it's five, six, seven thousand, whatever. So I guess you will not know it. Uh, it would be a really more or less a sensation. So it's the Biltal Stadium in Bergedorf. Mm. And uh, they do have. Who plays yeah, there? They do have... Uh, so, Bergedorf is in the um, southeast of Hamburg, um, and the stadium itself has an official capacity of 30,000 with just 300 seats. It's an athletic stadium as well. Um, it was built in 1950, and the home ground of the ASV Bergedorf, which does not exist anymore or was rebuilt some years ago, I'm not sure. And they played in the highest league back then before the start of the Bundesliga. In A very special uh, story is that in 1952, the HSV played their one friendly game against the national team of India and some of the players of India played without shoes. And at that time, the stadium had no lawn but clay. So this must have been quite... (laughs) challenging for them or entertaining uh, the way you look at it and um yeah india got in front so the audience was stunned (laughs) Uh, but in the end hsv won five to two over the years it was also the home ground of a baseball and an american football team but today only the lower league teams of bfsv atlantic And the TSG Bergdorf play there. And this is really lower league football. Um, I watched a game against St. Pauli 4 last year. So just in case, if you wonder, St. Pauli has eight men teams at the moment. So St. Pauli 4 is the team I played for some years ago. So, um, yeah, but but the stadium is quite impressive. It's uh, it's. Um, more or less a hole in the ground. So it, it's uh, under the normal surface of Bergedorf, and y- you, you, you don't see it from the outside because it's built um, to, to the ground. So it's really fascinating. And if you do have the chance to watch a game of Atlantic or
0: Bergedorf, do it. Right, duly noted. We'll do that the next time I'm in Hamburg. Thank you so much, Mike, for some more fascinating ground-hopping advice. Anyways, uh, I think this is it for this week's edition of Talking Foosball Extra. This episode has been produced, as always, by Aidan Rantoul. Guys, before I let you go, tell the good people where they can find you on Twitter and where they can find your work. I'm going to start with you, Mike.
1: You can find me on Twitter at Mike Crew, and you better
0: follow the Milan You better do, Jasmine.
2: Yep, you can follow me on Twitter, underscore Jasmine Barber, where I do things and they are normally posted on there.
0: You can follow me, Nick Wiltagen, at Nor Musings. You can actually download the FC Quiz app. If you're into quizzes and you want to do German football quizzes, I'm going to create football quizzes for that app going forward. We'll be back next week with another episode of Talking Foosball Extra. And next up on this channel is Talking Foosball Direct with Mr. Matt Herman and I think Terry DeFell. Until next week, it is goodbye for now.